Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. Hey everyone, it's Mike Huber, founder and CEO of the Freshman Foundation and certified mental performance consultant. If you're listening to this episode, then you're likely a student athlete or family member of one. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Hopefully you find our podcast valuable. Mental performance coaching allows young athletes to show up at their best every single day by conquering distractions, pressures, and mental roadblocks through evidence-based strategies. So let's talk. You can visit my website at michaelvsinvincenthuber.com to schedule a free strategy session. Let's see if mental performance coaching is a fit for your family. Enjoy this episode, and thank you again for listening. How has trusting the process allowed Ryan Lasko to get better on and off the baseball field? Let's be realistic. Baseball is a results-oriented sport. It's easy for baseball players to jump on a roller coaster of emotions depending on how they perform. However, the most successful baseball players understand that focusing on controlling the controllables will allow for maximum development and consistent performance. My guest, Ryan Lasko, is a sophomore center fielder for the Rutgers University baseball team. In 2021, he was named to the Big Ten All-Freshman team. In episode 34, Ryan discusses his dedication to the game of baseball and what he has learned during his first two years at Rutgers. Ryan's commitment to personal development on and off the field has made him an important part of the Rutgers baseball resurgence. I'm excited for this conversation. Let's build your foundation with Ryan Lasko. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, I guess the first question I'll ask you is, what was your favorite part of your freshman year at Rutgers? Uh, I think it's the two weekends that we uh, we played Michigan, and then we went to Nebraska, and we took two out of three from Michigan, and then we swept Nebraska both on the road, and they were both ranked, I think, top twenty at the time. So, I think from a team aspect, definitely, you know, kind of putting ourselves on the map of what's to come here at Rutgers. Yeah, it's been. I mean, I know last year was a really, really successful year. Um, so what do you think led to the team's success, the sort of the breakthrough year that you had? Um, I think it's just an overall commitment from everybody. I mean, I think we had the right people in place here to start winning. You know, we, our overall goal was to, you know, win the conference, make it to a regional and that obviously didn't happen. So that kind of transfers to this year and that's the goal for this year. But I think this, the success that we did have at times was just a, a full buy-in from everybody from whether it's, you know, a pitching staff, a position player, or a guy that's, you know, a spare time player that comes in and gets a big hit for us or something like that. So I think it's an overall commitment from everybody. Yeah. And, and I mean, clearly you were on the field for the vast majority of your freshman year, which isn't so common. So like when you came in the door, what were your expectations for playing time and kind of where you fit into the team? I mean, when I came in in September last year, my goal was, you know, to be a starting center fielder. Like that was, I, I hold myself to a high standard. So I wasn't going to come in and say like, oh, maybe I'll play. But I knew I was here for, I knew the coaches brought me in for a reason. That was the play. So my goal for myself was to play every single day. And 
Can you talk about some of the things that you worked on, you know, in the summer before coming onto campus, but also when you got on campus to put yourself in that position to succeed? Yeah, it, it honestly, it was something that I never really experienced. Like it was a full breakdown of like everything that I do mechanically, mentally. So, you know, one of the biggest things I think I started to work on was um, uh, the biggest thing I learned actually was like a, having an approach. Cause I think throughout high school, I don't really, you kind of went up there. I, it's so, it's just weird to think about cause how much more thinking goes through like a college season and a college uh, workload. So I think I never had like an approach really of what I was going to the plate, like looking for a certain pitch or like, you know, this guy's thrown 75% first pitch curveballs to hitters. Like there was none of that through high school. I think, like all the information I received and like, you know, this is how you should go about going to an at bat or, you know, what to look for. So I think without that aspect of it, I think there would be no playing time for me as much as I saw. Okay. Well, I'm glad you said that because that's definitely something that I talk about with athletes in terms of especially baseball athletes in terms of having an approach and starting to learn that at an early age uh, versus maybe trying to pick that up later on. But um, I would guess that your need to have an approach in high school probably wasn't as great just because of a difference in ability level. Would you say that's a fair kind of assessment? No, I think that's 100% right because I just don't think you're not facing, you know, Division One arms every day in high school. Like maybe right. once in a while, but this is – it's every single day you're facing someone who has the potential to get drafted. So I think that's the biggest part of the approach thing. So could you tell me more about how you went about developing that approach? I mean, obviously, it sounds like data and analytics is a big part of that. But like, what are some of the things you did specifically to start to really craft that approach in terms of getting yourself ready every at bat? Yeah. So I think when we started inter-squatting in the fall last year, I was start I started getting beat more and more. So it's whether like I would get pitched in and get beat and then get pitched away and still get beat. So it became a part like, okay – let me break this down. Maybe I should start looking on a certain part of the plate and eliminate everything else. So I would be kind of like free swing mode at first when I went up there. So I'd be getting jammed on pitches in or capping balls off the end of the bat. So it's like, okay, let me break this down. And this is obviously not on my own. This is through, you know, all our coaches. Like, mm-hmm. hey, this is what you – like, this is like kind of easing me in, like almost letting me fail and figuring it out and then coming in and say, mm-hmm. hey, this is what you need to do. Let's build you up. So I think – the approach thing was like, okay, let's break the plate in half and either look in or look away. And let's, let's stick to that throughout the whole at bat. Yeah. So that's really important, right? Like, you know, to, to, to be able to sort of create a narrow focus of attention so that you can find pitches and go after pitches and attack pitches that you want versus just swinging at whatever comes your way. Oh yeah. Cause if you like, I found myself, whenever I would struggle last year, I would find myself getting away from an approach. And whenever I would get away from my approach, I would, you know, I would swing at non-object pitches. I would, you know, foul ball straight back. And I'm kind of like shaking my head, like, how did I miss that? And stuff like that. Because I was kind of, I was trying to cover the whole plate instead of like, hey, let's simplify. Because that's the biggest thing I figure out is to simplify everything and don't have everything too broad. Just mm-hmm. simple, simplify it down. And it's it becomes that much easier for yourself. Now, from the mental side, like, is there anything specifically like in terms of mental skills or mental skills training that you did to help with executing on using that approach, right? Like, as you mentioned, like, hey, you catch yourself maybe being too broad 
right? Mm -hmm. How do you catch yourself and say, all right, I shouldn't have looked at it that way. I need to really simplify here and focus in on a, on a small dot. Yeah. Well, I, I honestly still think I'm doing that now. I don't think I have an answer for that yet because okay. I'm kind of like a mental midget still. Um, that's kind of my biggest struggle right now. I think anybody you talk to will say that like, it's either he's too hard on himself. It's like struggles with failure, like how to move on from it, stuff like that. So I'm still learning how to deal with stuff like that. But like, I'm able to look back on it now and say like, Hey, this is what I should have done different. Like yeah. maybe instead of like almost panicking when I was struggling, maybe like, Hey, let the game come to you, simplify and kind of narrow that focus. Don't be so up in arms just because, you know, you didn't get a hit because at the same time, like if you go 0 for 1, okay, you're 0 for 1. But now you're next at bat, you're 0 for 0 again. Mm-hmm. So you need to, I need to really work on like having that focus of next at bat, next pitch, you know, next play and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. going to this season, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. I mean, what what I hear you saying is, is that you're a learner, right? Like you're taking all of the information that's coming your way. I mean, listen, it's not the easiest thing in the world to deal with failure, especially when you're not used to it, right? So that's a process in and of itself to learn how to deal with it. And what I'm hearing is you saying, like, I know this about myself, like every piece of data that comes my way, I'm going to take it and use it to my advantage versus letting my feelings overwhelm me and have it be about like, I'm just not good, right? I'm not... I suck at this. <laughs> yeah, and that's what happens sometimes. Like I found myself a lot last year finding myself like, like I suck, you know, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is like, am I meant to be playing Division One baseball? Mm-hmm. So that's where it comes in. But that's the thing. It's so, I, I it's almost like I'm glad that that stuff kind of happened to me because mm-hmm. now it makes me a, not only a better person, but like a more intelligent baseball player. And like when stuff like that happens mm-hmm. again, I know like, hey, it's happening again. Let's go the other direction this time instead of letting this snowball again into this something that's, like that's how like an over 10 becomes like an over 20 to an over mm-hmm. 30 and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's so, it's so refreshing to hear somebody, how old are you? 19? 19. Yeah. Somebody your age who has that perspective. Right. And I guess maybe being a starter as a freshman in a division one baseball program gives you that perspective to a certain degree. Uh, Cause it is it, baseball's humbling as it is, but now you're doing it at pretty much the highest level, you know, before you get to a professional level. Um, but to hear you say that is really nice for me to hear because I think a lot of athletes don't take that perspective. They really take it to heart and that's fine, but they also don't put it into perspective, which is exactly what you're doing because the goal isn't to be the best freshman of all time. The goal is to be the best senior or junior and to get drafted and go on and play professional baseball. Right. So there's a lot of runway in front of you. And it sounds like that's the approach that you're taking. Yeah. And honestly, I was, I was the complete opposite when I first got here last year. Like you can ask like my first batting practice of the fall last year, like you could, I was trying to hit a home run on every single BP pitch, like just stuff like that, like trying to do too much. And like, I just learned so much about myself as not only a player, a person and an individual, like I said before, I'm so glad that I went through the struggle. I'm so glad I went through like the, the awesome highs and the really mm-hmm. deep lows because it's made me a better player than I ever thought I would be. Because obviously, like I came with the expectations, like I want to play, you know, I want to, you know, I want to help us win, blah, 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 and certain stuff like that. But sometimes it doesn't always work out like that. So I think you got to learn how to, mm-hmm. you know, how do I learn from this and how do I adjust and make myself a better player from this? Nice. So tell me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a couple steps back. So tell me how you came to choose Rutgers. Like what was it about the program that was appealing to you? Well, I wanted to play for my home state. You know, I didn't want to travel 
far away from home. I want to be able to my family to drive up the turnpike and watch me play on a given weekend or a weekday. So that was the overall thing for me. And I have a lot of family in this area. So it was from the first time I, I think I played a travel game here. I want to play here just because it's, you know, it's the state university and it's, you know, big 10 program, um, power five. So I think that, that the idea of all of that, just to be able to do that in my home state was all I needed for me to come here. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm also in New Jersey, not far up the road from you. And I spent a couple of years, and this is how I first, and I think I told you this, how I first became aware of who you were. It was I was coaching baseball at St. Joe's in Metuchen for a couple of years. And we were there, we played you guys in the, um, the last dance. And I had really, really a very little understanding of about baseball in New Jersey before I, I, I came to Joe's. And it just amazes me how much baseball talent there is in the state of New Jersey to see all the guys that have come out just in the last couple of years, you know, the Volpe's Jack Leiter, you, you know, all these guys are coming out and going to big time programs are getting drafted. And it's just like to watch high school kids play at such a high level was just fascinating to me. And the fact that you want to stay here and build a baseball program at the college level in the state is really cool. Cause I think it's going to entice other kids to want to play at, at Rutgers. Oh yeah. And that's like, that's what I want to see happen. And, you know, I, I, I've seen like next, our couple of recruiting classes coming in. There's a lot of New Jersey guys in them and they're top New Jersey players. So I think that's exciting. And it just shows that like New Jersey is a legit baseball state. Like we, even though like we get the cold winters and stuff like that, we're not playing all year round. There's a lot of good talent in New Jersey. And I think that's really cool because the more talent that grows in New Jersey, it means the more talent that has a chance to come to Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, and just, you know, from what I saw when, when you were a senior at, at Jackson Memorial, I mean, you guys were loaded, right? Like how many guys on your team went on to, you know, play in college or going to go on to play in college? I mean, it was like you, you basically had like a college baseball team at the high school level. Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool because I think there was, you know, six or seven of us as seniors and even more like underclassmen that were going to big time programs. Um, and I think that was just a really cool experience because I'd never been on a team with that much talent, really until I got to Rutgers um, because we had guys, you know, going all over the place to, you know, prime division one schools. So, and the best part about this, I'm still friends with all those kids. You know, I work out with all those kids still. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the best part about it because I could take, you know, what they learn from their programs and kind of mold it to myself and just take everything they say and, you know, give stuff to them too. So I think it's, it's really cool to have that much talent surrounded by you. Yeah. So tell me about the last dance, right? Because that was your senior year. The baseball season was basically eradicated, right? There was no baseball for the most part. That was sort of the last chance for you to play. Like, what was that experience like for you to play in that tournament, to play in those stadiums and to really kind of have like a, like a, like a March madness or a big dance type of feel? Uh, what was that like for you and, and your team? I think it's by far the coolest baseball experience that I've had to this point. I think just because how spur of the moment it was and like that March Madness feel and like how there's only going to be, you know, the only one last dance tournament. So I think that that old experience was awesome. And, you know, me and my buddy still talk about it today and just reminisce and, you know, smile about it because how fun it was and what an experience it was just because like, it's not even about me it wasn't about me really. It was more about like the guys that I knew weren't going to play baseball ever after that mm -hmm. uh, tournament. So being able to do that one more time with them, you know, see them play one more time, you know, succeed and enjoy it. I think that's what it meant to me. And I remember, you know, when we won, I got, I would get very emotional. Like when we won the South, I got mm -hmm. very emotional because 
to see the smile on some of the guys' faces that, you know, weren't going to play, you know, baseball anymore and see mm-hmm. that the happiness that was brought to them. It made me, you know, very emotional because that's something that I've never experienced mm-hmm. ever. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, being a part of it and, and really kind of from afar, I mean, I was in the dugout, but I was really sort of just a, a, an observer in a lot of ways. I think about my high school experience and how, you know, 25 plus years later, I'm still the best of friends with the guys I played ball with in high school. And I was a public school kid. And I remember the last game I ever played and to like watch you guys kind of go through that. Um, and you played Cranford right in the final. Yeah. 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 And another public school with a, an insane amount of talent. It just boggles my mind. I'm going to go back to that point. How, how much talent there is baseball talent to see two public schools in the state of New Jersey go at it to battle for like a one and done title is like so cool. Yeah. And it's like, I think that was the big headline at the time when that was the final, it's like two public schools going at it, you know, yeah. the, for the rights of New Jersey kind of. And I think that's, that just shows you again, how much talent's really in the state. Like you don't need to go to like the certain private schools to you know, make it to the next level. Cause there's people in your own district that can help you get there. So tell me, uh, I'm curious about your, your baseball development from the time you started playing, which obviously I'm guessing is probably four or five years old. Like most of us, like, what was that like growing up? Like, um, you know, where did you play? Who did you play for? Like, when did you know that maybe baseball was something you wanted to do at a higher level? Yeah. So my early, like I'm talking T-ball pitching machine stuff. Like I hated <laughs> baseball. Like I want, I told my mom, like, take me off the field. I'd be crying in the dugout cause I didn't want to be there anymore. But I think what changed for me is I started really watching baseball and I mm-hmm. fell in love with I, I, my first team that I really loved was the 2009 Yankees. Okay. And then, then they went on, win the World Series. You know, I fell in love with A-Rod and Jeter and stuff like that. And it's like, maybe I want, I see myself doing that. So you would see mm-hmm. me, me impersonating, you know, Derek Jeter in the backyard and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think from the time that I was uh, eight or nine years old, I had this dream of like, playing baseball professionally, mm-hmm. playing, you know, playing for the Yankees and stuff, your favorite team like every little kid has. But then it got more serious as I started playing for like bigger travel teams. Like I played for baseball U for three or four years mm-hmm. and you know, I did the whole, I went to the Florida and I went to Georgia and played mm-hmm. on those tournaments and stuff like that. So that's when it really got serious for me. And I started to have really, I had a success there. So it's like, maybe I have the potential. Cause I always knew that the potential was there, but I started mm-hmm. to see it for the first time. Sure going against, you know, pretty good competition from all over the country. So it's that's when it became a reality to me, like that maybe I had the potential to do this at the next level. Yeah. Um, and what were some of the things, like when you recognize that potential, tell me about some of the things you did sort of on your own or some of the sacrifices that you made to put yourself in the position that you're in now. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of people along the way that I think I've rubbed the wrong way because I'd rather... I would be, you know, waking up early or staying up late to go, you know, take extra swings or go for a run or, you mm-hmm. know, work out and stuff like that. Cause I honestly, I started to realize that this was going to be taken, I was going to take myself more serious um, because I struggled my sophomore year of high school and I wanted to get better. So I kind of like just devoted all the time in the world to my craft and to get better because mm-hmm. I enjoyed getting up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning to work out and I enjoyed staying up late to take extra swings. So I think that it was a lot of sacrifice because I missed, you know, birthdays and graduation parties just for like baseball tournaments or just to work out on my own. And I don't regret it by any, any means Mm -hmm. because it's put me in the position I am in today. 
Yeah. And I hear that from a lot of the, the people who are in a similar position to you that, you know, especially with, with travel baseball, right? Missing birthdays, missing, you know, whatever it is, because you're traveling every weekend to play baseball. And obviously there are, you know, there are people behind the scenes like parents and other people who are making those huge sacrifices to get you there. So, um, you know, shout out to them, to your family. Um, but at the same time, I, I work with a lot of athletes who I say, listen, like, are you doing X, Y, and Z on your own? And they'll say no. And I'll say, that's okay, right? Like, it's cool if you don't want to do it or you want to be out with your friends. I said, but there's a consequence to that, right? Which it sounds like in your mind, it was like the, the investment in yourself and the risk you were taking maybe at alienating some people was worth it for you because you wanted to get to a specific place. Yeah. And it was worth, it was a hundred percent worth it because my thinking was, okay, I'm a high school player. wanted to play in college. Why don't I train like a college baseball player now? Mm-hmm. When I get to the college baseball level, I'm ready. And now my, my idea is why don't I train like a professional baseball player? So when I get there, I'm ready. So it's always kind of like having that work mm-hmm. ethic of being at the next step. So it prepares you for anything that's thrown your way. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think that that that's a great way to look at it because you're right. Like you're, you're I, I worked, I coached with a guy at St. Joe's um, basketball guy who would say, dress for the job that you want, not for the one that you have. And that's basically what you're saying, right? Like yeah. don't put on that suit and tie because this is where I want to be. And if I train like a college player, then I'm just going to be a college player versus I want to train like a pro. That's where I'm looking yeah. to go. And I think that's a really cool way to approach it. So I mean, you talked about some of this before, um, and maybe you covered it all, but like, tell me about coming in in September, the transition from high school to college, and maybe it's not on the field uh, exclusively, but like, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced when you, you went, you went up to, to school at Rutgers and, you know, started on your own? Um, I think the biggest thing for me might've not even been from a baseball standpoint. I think the biggest thing for me was learning how to really almost be ultra responsible for like what I need to do on a given day from whether, you know, it's doing my schoolwork and doing it on time and then going Mm -hmm. to the baseball field and doing what I need to do there. So it was kind of like having two jobs at once because without, you know, being good in school, there's no baseball. So, I mean, I think that was the toughest thing for me um, because I wanted to make sure I, you know, could play at the highest level, but I also am going to a big 10 school in academics Mm -hmm. too. So I think that part of it was kind of like, almost a wake up call for me because it's like, okay, you need to do this or there's no baseball and stuff like that. So that was the biggest wake up call for me in realization. Okay. And what's, so what's a, what's a typical day look like for you, particularly like in season? In season. So I'm last show, all classes were online last year. So it's a little different, but like right. last year would be, you know, um, so it kind of did. We only had weekend series last year, so it wouldn't have a really, yeah. Um, interesting. A class effect so I haven't really experienced that yet so um because we don't play on the weekend so I wouldn't have class Friday Saturday Sunday so I haven't had that full experience yet let me ask it a different way then so obviously the spring it's going to be a different situation right you're going to be in class you're going to have midweek games like what are some of the things that you were doing or that your your coaching staff is doing to prepare you guys for that especially for the freshmen who didn't have that full experience like what what are you doing to get ready for that yeah so I think this fall almost was that because we finally had this. My this fall was my first time having in person classes here at Rutgers, so I think finally getting those down, learning the campus, kind of mm-hmm. knowing where to go. I think that's the biggest thing because you don't want to. I didn't want to be in the springtime uh, 
finding panicking to find my classes and then having a game in the afternoon. Um, so I think getting that under my belt in the fall was the biggest thing for not only me, but the freshman that just came in too. Yeah. It's so right. It's, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's true, right? Like you're still a student athlete and Rutgers is a huge campus, right? It's all spread out. You probably got to take campus transportation, right? Like what if I show up late? Like, am I going to be able to get from here to there? Like, and your freshman year academically is really starting this year, right? So like you've got this extra stress on your plate and oh, by the way, you've got a full slate of games coming. I'm sure you guys are starting pretty soon here. So um, it's just, it's nice. I want to say it's nice, but it's nice to hear you say that because it, I think it kind of underscores the simplicity of it in that you're still a college student, right? Obviously, you're doing something bigger than most average college college students, but you're still a college student and there's still a college life to be li- to lived, even though baseball probably is at the top of your mind every single day. Yeah, it's definitely at the top of my mind, but the school part of it, it has to be right up there with it because, I mean, it is that... Like it, it I kind of didn't really come to, like it didn't come to my mind right. that how important it really was until recently over these past two years. But yeah, like it's 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 difficult, you know, really, you know, going to a class here, then the practice, and then you're going to a tutor at night. So I mean, it's just a bunch of different stuff that kind of gets thrown your way, but you adjust for it. And I think it's it's definitely cool, but I wouldn't want to have it any other way. Yeah. So. I'm curious, like this comes up a lot on my podcast because I'm I'm very curious about its effect in a lot of different ways with recruiting. And I'm not going to ask you about that, but like with social media, I think like me, I've gotten much more um, attuned to what's going on in social media, particularly around baseball in New Jersey, because I'm here and because I'm curious. And a lot of what I know about you has been through social media. Um, how do you handle that? Um, in terms of like managing it, maybe engaging, but also not letting it sort of get in the way of what you're trying to accomplish. So from like, um, I want to say that I'm not the biggest fan of social media because I don't like, I almost feel like when I would like put stuff on my social media, it's almost like a bragging thing. And I didn't really like that about me. Um, and like, I would see, see stuff posted about me and it's nice and cool to see, but like my overall goal isn't for me to make headlines and have an article mm-hmm. written about me because that's not really what I'm about. Sure. Um, I'd rather see myself and my see myself on a team that's winning and that's like a group of 26 to 30 guys is getting credit rather than just one. So I didn't really like that because I feel like it's a very mm-hmm. you know self oriented thing and it's a bragging rights thing. But I have because over this whole NL, NLI stuff that start to come out, I've really mm-hmm. started to get more in tune with it because that's like how you're trying to sell yourself and stuff like that and brand yourself. So I've kind of gotten more in tune with it since then. But other than that, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I've been coming to find myself more engaged with it. Yeah. It's a tricky balance, right? Because if you get too wrapped up on too wrapped up in it, it could be a disaster, right? In terms of like, you're, you know, putting all your eggs in that identity basket of like, this is what I've become about. I'm a highlight reel. But at the same time, there's a practical implication, right? With, with NIL and, you know, you do want to brand yourself and you do want people to see you because you want to make sure that people understand that you're out there and that, you know, they can, they can find you because there's an implication to it long-term. So it's really tricky. And I, I, I like to ask the question because everybody has a different view on it. Um, but in that answer, you talked a lot about the team. So as a freshman who comes in and starts 30, 40 or 42 games last year, right? You're on the field 
almost the whole season. Like, tell me about the process of integrating with your new teammates as a freshman and, and playing that kind of role on the team. Yeah. So, um, it was honestly tough because I feel like us position players and pitchers were always separate because there was all these COVID mm-hmm. protocols and they didn't want, you know, you didn't want to have certain people together and you try to keep separate as much as possible. So, um, there was I, there was definitely clicks of groups that kind of I fit into, but I think this year it's kind of like it's a normal year, so I've been able to really engage with my teammates and kind of get to know everybody better. Because obviously I you know had relationships last year, but now it's kind of taken over this year because I get you're almost getting to see your teammates more and more mm-hmm. because there's not this it's there's not as much restrictions and you know you're not worried about spreading a virus to each other as much, even though mm-hmm. it's kind of getting big again now which is I'm sure though stuff will change again here, but it's kind of having that, uh, that happy medium of almost baseball and social life with your teammates, because obviously you're going to have relationships on the field, but it's if you can make relationships off the field that mm-hmm. I think matter the most. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fitting into a new team, never easy, regardless of what it is that you do and what age you are, right? You're starting all over with a new group of people and you got to find your way. And that can be really tricky. I think something else you hit on there that I think is really interesting, particularly for athletes is, right, with COVID as an example, right? You never know what's coming next, right? So like, tell me about some of the things that you might do to adapt to some of these changes, right? Like, how do you, how do you deal with like getting these proverbial curveballs out of left field, right? Like when stuff gets thrown at you, like what are some of the things that you do to sort of handle it? Um, I think the biggest thing that we have is that we have a good support group with our coaching staff and our trainers and all the the resources we have. So I think it's not so much what we have to do, but it's what they help us to do. So they kind of set the way for us and kind of like, hey, this is what we need to do in order to like kind of minimize this whole chance of getting a virus and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, they helped us set these guidelines and let's follow them. And this is what's going to keep us on the baseball field at all times. Yeah. So really putting that trust in your coaches and and the administration to say like, Hey, this is what you need to do. Kind of taking, being coachable, following, following their guidance and just, you know, putting your faith in them rather than trying to take it on yourself. And I think that that, you know, beyond COVID is, is a good way to approach, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being an athlete, because sometimes if we take, take on too much of our, on ourselves, like I think you were saying this before, where you put too much on yourself and beat yourself up, it's not really productive. Um, so you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. I'm going to sort of go back to something I, I feel like I saw a while back about you because I'm, I'm going to make a point here about learning and development in players. And I'm going to sort of use this example. Tell me if this is incorrect. But I saw at some point somebody made a comment about the knock on you as a player was maybe lack of power. And you ended up hitting 11 home runs last year, which is a pretty good number for any college player, let alone a freshman. So the question is, was there anything you did specifically to address that concern about your game or maybe a deficiency you felt like you had to develop more of a, a of a, you know, hit for power tool? Um, I mean, see, that kind of <laughs> triggered, like that whole lack of power thing. It's a, it's a big thing that I still live by now. And it's kind of like a, a motivating thing. But the thing I did is like, it's like, okay, if this is the knock on me, fine. Like I'll get in the weight room and I'll put up numbers and stuff like that. And I'll show mm-hmm. you that I can hit for power. Like it was kind of like almost edging me on to say like, Hey, maybe you should start hitting for power a little more. And it's not like I started trying like, 
oh, let's try to hit a home run every swing. It's like, no, I got myself in good shape and ability to like put on extra pounds. So it's like that power will come naturally rather than trying to force it. So I think it's just because it was, that came out my, uh, I want to say 2019 that came out. So I was, um, you know, a senior in high school, like my fall. So that came out and it's like, it's because I didn't put good power numbers up over the summer and stuff like that. So I think that's what it came out. And I think Baseball America wrote that. And, you know, that kind of, I was kind of, you know, I would say I was pissed off when I saw it for the first okay. time, to be honest. Like I was pretty, like there was a lot of good stuff in there, but then like I saw that and it kind of grabbed my eye. And I remember saying right, like right away, I saw it, I screenshotted it. I sent it <laughs> to one of my hitting coaches and I was like, like, Hey, this is what they think about me. Like, let's, let's do something about it. I think that's where I saw it. I think it was your hitting coach who <laughs> posted it mm-hmm. and was like, you know, basically saying like, oh, lack of power, look at this, you know? Yeah. And the reason why I asked that question is, is because, you know, one of the things I, I like to talk about with athletes is like, what are you going to do, right? Like, you know, what are you going to do to make yourself better in something in an area that you want to be better at, right? It doesn't just happen, right? And so you use that as motivation and said, okay, now I'm going to go do this to get better at this particular aspect of my game versus letting it get you down or maybe maybe moping about it and and not putting in the work to get better at that element of your game yeah and it was kind of like a why not thing like if they're going to challenge me to do it so why not just go out there and do it and put the work (laughs) in that i can do it like i knew i could do it now it's just kind of like showing people that hey hey like i do have this tool and from a baseball i'm curious about this was there anything mechanically that you changed to develop more power in terms of the way you were approaching your swing or was it just strictly putting on more size? I think it was between putting on more size and fine tuning mechanics almost. Right. So really breaking stuff down and kind of having the maximum mm-hmm. efficiency with my swing and mechanics. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have to try, try and produce as much power, but it would just happen naturally. Like I said, yeah. before. do you think that your chain? To go back to your approach, do you think your change in approach help you develop more power in the sense that when you start to look for pitches, you can put better swings on those pitches, therefore you can get the ball up in the air the way you want it versus just swinging at pitches when they're coming at you? Yeah, 100%. So Because like you simpler, you're simplifying the game, like I said before. Yeah. So the more you simplify, the more success you're going to have. And I saw that when I would simplify and look for certain pitches, I was able to get to them much more easier. Yeah. And, and I'm going to get it. I'm going to keep going on this because I just, I'm a baseball nerd. So tell me about your two strike approach, because this is something I talk to, to kids about all the time in terms of having a different approach with two strikes and they don't really, they don't really do it. So do you have a two strike approach that you could kind of put up, put a finger on and define when you're in the box? So I think last year, I really wouldn't say that I had a two strike approach rather than don't strike out. That was my kind of thing. And it kind of sent me in the wrong direction. Yep. So I think my two-strike approach this year now is what I've worked on is try to make contact by any means and wait for a mistake. So if I keep fouling pitches off and taking pitches that aren't strikes, I'm putting myself in a better position mm-hmm. to get a pitch that I can drive into a gap or something like that or work a walk to get on base. So yeah. it's more so grinding out the at-bat to get to an ideal pitch to hit so hopefully he makes a mistake before I do. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I think the, the, the overwhelming majority of baseball players, their two-strike approaches don't strike out. <laughs> yeah. Which from a mental perspective, you know, 
that's not ideal, right? To tell yourself not to do something is, is you're automatically putting yourself at a disadvantage because you're playing defense versus having a process approach to say, hey, let me go do this. And if I do this, the chances are I'm going to end up having a good at bat um, and putting the focus on what you can control. Because when you say don't strike out, that that ultimately puts you back on the result, which is a lot largely out of your control. Plus, you're also telling your body like not to do something, which is just can be a disaster. So I'm glad that you've um, you've adapted that approach. And I think that's exactly the way a major leaguer would approach it, right? Let me foul this off until I get a pitch I can drive and they make a mistake, which that's not easy to do, right? Two strikes, especially when guys are throwing super hard. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, that comes down to an approach thing almost again. So Mm -hmm. it's like having an approach and simplifying. But um, I was going to like add on to that more even. It's like I was letting – I wasn't controlling my own at-bats. I was letting the guy in the mound control my at-bat. So it's like I was defensive from like when I would get a strike on me, it's like – I would, you know, take a strike and then foul a pitch off. And it's like I was 0-2 before, already. I, yeah, before I even stepped in the box, it almost felt like. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a big thing for me this year is like have more control of whatever I'm doing because at the end of the day, I control what happens in the batter's box and no one else does. So yeah. I think I need to learn how to really empower that so, and understand that like, hey, it's called your at-bat for a reason. Mm-hmm. Go out there and make the most out of it and stuff like that. So what's what's your view or the coaching staff's view on on swinging at first pitch swinging, right? Like, how do you guys view that? Honestly, it's like if it's a good pitch and it's what you're looking for, swing at it. But if it's not what you're looking for, don't swing at it because you're right. going to put yourself in a position where you're not going to succeed. So mm-hmm. it has to be what you're looking for. Yeah. And, it's like, and you can't come out of that approach, mm-hmm. once again, like the approach thing, because you're going to see yourself fail more times than not. So – Obviously, when you jumped from high school to Division One, you've started. To, I'm guessing you've seen you see much more velocity on a regular basis. Um, what do you do? Um, one, how how have you dealt with that that change? You know that sort of uptick in velocity on a consistent basis. But also, what are you doing to improve pitch recognition? So I think there's a couple things. There's a lot of there's a lot of machine work. But there's also like um, a lot of visual stuff. And like what mm-hmm. I mean by that is like we have um, like virtual reality pitching and stuff that we're able to use and stuff like yeah. that. The track pitching and see, you know, certain like, you know, arm angles and pitches and different stuff like that. So I think that's definitely part of it um, because it's like a real game almost, mm-hmm. even though it's like that real feel, but it, it's close enough for us. Yeah. So I think th- those two things is like high velo on a machine and then kind of getting that, you know, that virtual work to kind of sharpen you up. Yeah. That's, that's what I was kind of hoping you would say, right? Sort of some of that technology aspect of it to really work on your visual recognition and and being able to recognize what's coming out of the pitcher's hand. And it's really hard to replicate what you see in a game, right? So being able to replicate or get close to replicating what you see in a game, but being able to take those reps off the field is you know critical to getting better at pitch recognition especially when things are coming at coming at you at such a high rate of velocity yeah and the closer you can get to that game field the better yeah so i think that's that's another thing i've learned like the more game like reps you can get the better position you put yourself in how, how are you doing that i mean how is the coaching staff doing that and how are you doing that kind of on your own so i think a lot of it has to do with like situational hitting like whether it's bp and stuff like that so rather than just taking mm-hmm. swings and stuff like that right more so like, hey, let's work on getting the runner to third here with less yep. than two outs and stuff like that, or driving him in with two outs, like really trying to put yourself 
in a game feel in a practice setting almost. Sure. It's hard to do, but if you can learn how to do it, it's it's that much more beneficial for you. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, and there's there's a bunch of research to back that up, right? When we put ourselves into game conditions and we put ourselves under the same amount of duress that we would see in a game, like we're getting that practice that replicates what we're going to do on the field versus just taking like regular old BP swings where we feel yeah. super good and confident because we're drilling the ball at 75 miles an hour. Yeah. And then you see 95 and it's not the same thing, right? No. So there's obviously some of that, but you, you've got to mix in that, those other reps. So yeah. um, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. A couple more questions. Um, so what, what, what's your, like, what do you want your sophomore year to look like? What's your, do you have any goals or do you have anything that you're working on that you want to get better at? And like, what do you want this season to, to look like for you? Um, my overall goal is to win the big 10 conference. Like, I think we have the people to do that here, but on a personal level, um, I think for me, it's just, you know, to stay healthy, Mm -hmm. um, you know, stay even keeled in my mind. Don't let the Mm -hmm. highs get too high. Don't let the lows get too low, stuff like that. So it's more mental stuff than physical for me at this point. It's like learning how to get through these, the struggles Mm -hmm. and kind of minimizing them. And if I can minimize them, I have that much better chance of having a good season and us as a team having a better season. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and if I, and I, and, and maybe this is kind of out of left field, but you don't, you can answer it however you want. You don't have to answer it, but like, where do you see yourself in five years? I, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I see myself playing, you know, hopefully minor league baseball and professional baseball. Like that's my mm-hmm. goal. And that's where I see myself. Like I'm going to be, that's, I'm going to be, kind of brutally honest with that. Cause that's where I see myself. And that's my goal. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have expected anything less. I mean, <laughs> and I think, you know, listen, and nowadays, you know, the fact that you're playing at the level that you're playing at and producing, like, there's no reason why that shouldn't be your answer. Right. And I think we have to have those sorts of positive, you know, that positive outlook and those goals for ourselves to strive to, because if we don't, it's going to be hard to get there. And clearly that's your aspiration and you're doing, I mean, from what you told me in the last 40 minutes, like all the work that you should and and need to be doing to get to where you want to go. And I, you know, that's why I invited you on the podcast. You know, I didn't really know you, but um, to see somebody who's really put themselves in a position for success, who's so close to home and I've seen play, you know, you know, up close and personal um, to kind of hear your story is, is a lot of fun for me. And, uh, I'm, I'm confident that you're going to get to where you want to go. Um, last question. So I ask this question to pretty much anybody, everybody, what would you say is the one piece of advice you'd give to high school athletes, baseball players specifically right now, um, about playing at the college level? Trust the process. Like that's my big thing. Trust the process because I think that's a lot of people hear, you know, the whole trust the process with different stuff. But like when you really feel and learn what the process is about, Mm -hmm. you'll understand what trust the process is. So whatever you're doing, you know, the struggles you're going through on and off the field, just trust it because there's a greater good that's going to come out of it. And I think if you, people can just learn to like hold the vision, whatever they have and what they want to be and trust whatever's thrown their way. They'll, they'll more times than not, they'll find their way. Yeah. So I'll ask you one more on that. Were you always a trust the process guy like in high school or is that something that you've come to develop a point of view you've come to develop as a college player? 
that's a development thing. It's 100% a development thing. This is over the past two years that I've really started. You know, I, I have it everywhere. I have it on T-shirts and wristbands and stuff like that to always remind myself. You know, it's my lock screen for stuff like that. Like I try to just remind myself to like, you know, you could be going through something rough on a, you know, a personal level or an athletic level on any day. And, you know, I just see my lock screen and it kind of just reminds me like, hey, like there's a greater good. Like you'll get to where you want to be one day if you just keep trusting whatever's happening. Yeah, that's a great commercial for mental performance coaching right there, right? Like keep that in front of your face all the time to remind you what you're working towards, right? And not letting those, letting those, you know, challenges or roadblocks get you down, right? It's, hey, just keep working, stick with it. Good things are going to come. And I think that that's exactly what, you know, is to, is to come for you. So Ryan, I, it was great talking to you. Um, I appreciate your honesty. And uh, I just wish you the best of luck this year. I'm going to try and get out and come see a game up there. Um, preferably when you're playing Michigan State, which is my alma mater. So, <laughs> No, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me on this. I think it was, you know, it was good for me to get finally. Uh, I thought there was a lot of good questions that I you threw my way. And, you know, I think it was good. I had a lot of fun. I did too, man. Thanks so much. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon in the future. Yes, sir. Thank you again. All right. Thanks a lot, Ryan. No problem. So, what was your biggest takeaway from my conversation with Ryan Lasko? For me, it's that humility and commitment are two key ingredients for young athletes to achieve their goals. Ryan Lasko embodies these characteristics and is someone I'd like my own son to emulate. My suggestion to sports parents, particularly baseball parents, is to emphasize learning and development rather than performance outcomes. Baseball can be a mental and emotional grind. Focusing on what we can control will promote the mindset necessary to succeed in the long run. I want to thank Ryan for his kind generosity and the wisdom he shared with the Freshman Foundation community. You can follow Ryan on Instagram at Ryan Lasco and Rutgers Baseball on Instagram at Rutgers Baseball. To learn more about how mental performance coaching can help your mind work for you rather than against you, visit michaelvhuber.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back in two weeks for episode 35 with my guest, former Major League pitcher and current Toronto Blue Jays mental performance coach, John Lennon. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at The Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks, ready to get better.